And isn't it good to live as people uh, with hope and with hope above all in Christ? And so thanks for that reminder. It's good to worship Him together uh, today. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to John chapter 6. My name's uh, Jeremy Nelson, and I'm, uh, well, I guess I just used to say I'm the pastor, but I'm one of the pastors. I'm the lead pastor uh, uh, now, and uh, just so grateful uh, that we're gathered together this morning, trusting that God has each of us here on purpose as we open up the Word of God. An exciting day. Uh, we're going to hear in a moment uh, charge and hear a commitment from and then commission Pastor Stan as our associate pastor. He's going to then turn around and, and commission all of the fall ministry volunteers and pray for them. So an exciting day, but the most exciting thing is that God has spoken and given us His Word, and we're going to read it together here in a moment. We started a series going verse by verse through the Gospel of John uh, back in January, and we went from January through June going through John chapters 1 through 5. Where we left off in John chapter 5, Jesus had just made it very clear the authority that had been given to him by God the Father, that Jesus himself, being the judge, with all sorts of testimony to back him up, was the one who is in fact God. Jesus is making it very clear to those around him who he is. And now today we jump right into chapter 6 of John's Gospel. And in chapter 6, we're going to actually look today in a short time, because it's going to be a short sermon with all that other stuff coming up, but we're going to read through two accounts. One, uh, some that are probably, for most of you who have, who have been in the church for much of your life, these will be very familiar. For some, these will be new. It's the accounts of Jesus feeding over 5,000 people, beginning with five loaves of bread and two fish, and then Jesus, after that, walking on the water. And these are going to be ways in which Jesus is revealing to those who were with him then, and John was revealing to those who were first reading his gospel, and the Holy Spirit continues to show us today who Jesus is and why that matters to us even now. So, if you have a Bible with you, you're in John chapter 6, verses 1 to 21 is what we're looking at today, titling the sermon, Not Enough, But Jesus. If you have your Bible, open it up. If Anyway, uh, go ahead and stand, even if you don't have a Bible. Uh, that's what we do when we read the Word of God. Uh, we're going to stand. And so, John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, listen to God's Word. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following Him because they saw the signs that He was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there He sat down with His disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them even to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, uh, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. 
Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Amen. You can be seated. So in your bulletin, there is an outline. There is an application guide there. Those are going to become more extensive here in just a couple of, or next week probably, as more of our life groups begin uh, to meet. But I encourage you to take notes if that's helpful for you to follow along and then spend some time with those application questions throughout the week. You'll see the main points of the sermon there. You'll see the big idea of the sermon there. And the first main point is this, what we have is not enough. We started by looking at verses 1 to 4, really kind of laying out the setting. It just says, after this. And so when we left Jesus at the end of John chapter 5 a few months ago in June... He was in Jerusalem, and now he's far from Jerusalem. We don't know. John doesn't tell us how many days or even weeks or months have passed. He just says, after this. So we don't know the exact timing, except for in verse 4, it says, it's the time of the Passover, the feast of the Jews. And the setting is like this. The crowds had been following Jesus because you remember that Jesus has been performing miraculous signs. And so crowds being attracted to this man who can heal the sick are following Jesus, but Jesus seeks to get away with his disciples. So crowds are here. Jesus takes his disciples up on the mountain, and he's about to teach them something about who he is. And he begins then, in verse 5, it says, Jesus lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. I want to notice this before we move on, that Jesus had intentionally gone up to the mountain to spend time with his disciples, knowing there was a crowd. But Jesus could not ignore the crowd. Even though his intent was to spend time there with his disciples, Jesus sees the crowd, the large crowd, even coming toward them while they were on the mountain. Matthew's gospel, as he tells this account, he lets us know that Jesus saw the crowd And he had compassion on them. This large crowd, Jesus knows them and Jesus loves them. Jesus can't ignore them. But Jesus sees this as a teaching moment for his disciples. So he says to Philip this. He says, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? 
Where are we supposed to look at that crowd out there? So his disciples maybe looking over their shoulder down the mountain see the masses gathered. And Jesus asks this bold question, where are we going to find some bread? We've got to buy some bread for these people to eat. Now Philip, it tells us before Philip's response, it says he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus is testing them. Jesus knows what he's about to do. He's about to show them something about himself. Philip answers him, uh, 200 denarii, which is about eight months worth of wages. If, even if we could collect that, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Jesus is like, uh, we don't have enough. Even if we were a bunch of rich disciples, even if we had eight months' wages saved up right now, we could go out and buy bread and it wouldn't even get, be enough for all of them to get even just a little. What do you want us to do, Jesus? And then another one speaks up, this time Andrew, who I wonder what it was like to be Simon Peter's brother. He probably didn't get to talk a lot because Peter was always saying something. But Andrew finally gets to talk here. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here has five barley loaves and two fish, which maybe initially is like, okay. And then he, then he kind of takes stock and he says, uh, but what are they for so many? Just as Philip recognized the money that they could even collect between themselves would not be nearly enough. So Andrew recognizes that the five loaves and the two fishes that this little boy has, not going to cut it. Right? What are you going to do when there's a mass of 5,000 men plus women and children and you've got five loaves of bread and two fish? And so both of them realizing what we have is not enough. What are they for so many? Right? 200 denarii couldn't even do this. So, so you see point number one. What we have is not enough. Maybe just some quick application for all of us in this before we move on. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? Like what you have is not enough? Like some young moms with little children always feeling like you're trying to operate on not enough sleep? Like I just, I don't have, I can't do this right now, but you still got to wake up because there's kids that need you. Farmers who are looking at the, the fact that they're supposed to be getting ready for harvest soon, but it's been raining like it's April. Oh, do we have enough time to get that in once we're able to get into the field? Maybe, maybe you're looking at your pile of bills and the numbers that they add up to and the money in your account, and you're thinking, we don't have enough. How are we going to pull this off? You recognize and you feel called and compelled to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You're like, I can't even do relationships with people that I can see very well. I don't have what it takes. I don't have time. I'm busy all the time, right? So there's all sorts of ways in our life that we can look at our life and say, what we have is not enough. Just like the disciples recognized as they looked at the crowd. But remember, Jesus was doing all this to test them. Jesus was about to show them something about himself. And maybe where you're at right now in your life, looking at what's expected of you, saying, I don't have enough, I don't have what it takes. Maybe this is the time when Jesus is about to show you something as well. Here's what Jesus is going to show the disciples. Jesus is going to show them that he is the one who can provide. Jesus provides. Look at 
verses 10 and 11. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. All-you-can-eat buffet provided by Jesus through the beginnings of five barley loaves and two fish uh, from a young boy who had brought that for himself and maybe his family. And the disciples are watching all of this. Luke tells us that it was the disciples who helped Jesus then take the bread and distribute it. Here's how John says it. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now, some of you, you've, you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story. This is one of those kind of like kid-friendly Bible stories that you start learning probably in preschool, Sunday school, and have heard over and over and over again. I, I grew up in a church, so I heard this story since I was a kid. It was not till last year that I even recognized that, oh, interesting, there's 12 baskets left over and there's 12 disciples. Maybe you've known that for a long time. Uh, but your pastor just figured that out last year. Maybe you're just hearing like, oh, well, that's interesting. I think it's more than just interesting. I think it's pretty intentional that the amount of leftovers after Jesus and the disciples had poured themselves out to feed the masses, that what's left over is enough for each of them to have their own basket. Jesus is not only providing for the large masses, but Jesus is providing for his own disciples who have spent themselves in feeding the others. I think that's pretty cool. Maybe you don't. A few people look like you do. Some of you look like you're sleeping. Um, <laughs> verses 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who's come into the world. So these people, they're not about sleeping. They're, they're wondering, who is this? Uh, how, how did he just pull this kind of massive catering event off with whatever he had. They were probably not even close enough to see the little boy at the five barley loaves and two fishes. But certainly, Jesus and his disciples did not have the means, earthly means on their own, to provide a meal for this many people. And so they're thinking, this might be some kind of prophet who's yet to come. And Jesus sees the crowd getting stirred up. And Jesus knows what he has come for, and their expectations of him do not line up with what Jesus has come for. Jesus has indeed come to be king, but not the kind of king they're looking for. And so John tells us this, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So, Quick point of application before we move on. We don't have what it takes, but Jesus does. Some of you coming in today being reminded of the fact that as you look at everything that's in front of you and all that's expected of you, you just don't have enough. You need this reminder today that Jesus provides. How did he do it? He did it as that little boy gave what he had. All he had, five barley loaves, two fishes, he gave what he had, and Jesus can take whatever it is that we have, whatever it is that we can give, and he can take that and he can multiply it 
for the good of many. And even that boy got to eat that day along with the 12 disciples who passed everything out. Ate as much as they wanted till they were full. And that's normal for us, right? In our part of the world, in our time in history, it's normal for us to eat until we're, we're full. I wonder if that was even normal for most of these people, to eat until they were full. And that's what happened as Jesus provided. So Jesus provides. We don't have what it takes, but Jesus does. Now, this is a good day. Imagine being a part of this day, of one of Jesus' disciples. You've seen time after time Jesus performing miracle after miracle, revealing his power, revealing who he is. And now you're going to see again that the day's not even over yet. So Jesus, remember, has withdrawn to be on the mountain by himself. But he's not just done displaying his power for that day yet. We've got verses 16 to 21, which tell us that when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing when they had rowed three or four miles. Okay? That's R-O-W-E-D. They didn't just ride. They were rowing, right? And so these disciples, imagine what it would have been like to be one of them. You've seen Jesus' miraculous power, but now it's like he's disappeared. He's not with you. And you know where you are to go next, and so you go and you get in a boat, and after this long day of feeding all of those people, just all of the intensity of just being with Jesus, now you're alone, 12 disciples in a boat, trying to row probably five or six miles was probably the distance they were trying to get. It's dark outside, there's no headlights on the boat, they're, they're blown by the wind, the seas are rough, and here they go. Just trying, and they've gotten three or four miles, okay? And Jesus is going to show up. They saw Jesus. He didn't just borrow somebody's boat. I'm sure they would have lent it to him. He could have done that, right? But how does Jesus come to them? They saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Right? Because who does that? That's not humanly possible. Those of you who spent some time at a lake or at a pool or something like that this, this summer, with your own strength, on your own feet, you were unable to walk on the water. And so they see, in the dark of night, they see someone coming to them on the water. And of course they're frightened. That's quite unnatural to see somebody at any time of day walking on the sea, in the midst of rough waters, with the wind blowing. But Jesus said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. They get to see Jesus. And he reveals to them, This is who I am. And the other people, they've had these gifts. Is he the prophet that's to come? Let's make him the king. And Jesus just comes to his disciples who know him. And he says, It's I. Don't be afraid. And then what happened? Then they were glad to take him into the boat. These beat up disciples trying their hardest to get across in the dark of night, in the middle of some kind of storm. They're just glad to see Jesus. It was that they were alone without him for some time trying to get it. But now Jesus showed up. He walked on the water. He's revealed to them who he is. 
They were glad, it says, to see him. And he gets into the boat. Now Jesus, who was present on the mountain and not with them, Jesus is now present with them in the boat. And what happens once Jesus is present with them? Did you notice this? And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Right? It wasn't that Jesus said, all right, you guys need a break. Give me. I'll start doing some rowing. No. Jesus gets in the boat and immediately they were at their destination. Jesus, again, displaying his power. He's done it again and again, not just for his disciples, but for many others as well. And so what's some application for us? I think the application for us is that we must trust Jesus. I hear all of this as I walk through this. I think of, what does that mean for me? The fact that Jesus has the power to provide for 5,000 plus people. The fact that Jesus can walk on the water. The fact that the moment that Jesus is present with the disciples and gets in the boat, they end up exactly where they need to be. What does that matter to me? How does that apply to me? I just... I have to come back to, I just got to trust him. I have to trust Jesus to provide. When I feel again and again like what I have is not what's required of me. I don't have what it takes. What I have in myself is not enough. But I can trust Jesus to provide. And so can you. He can provide for others. Parents, parents who are worried about your kids. Maybe your kids are kids or maybe your kids are adults and you're worried about them. You can trust Jesus to provide. You can trust Jesus. Those of you who feel like you've spent yourself for the good of others, remember that Jesus' disciples were also provided for. There was 12 baskets left over. Jesus has enough to provide for you as well. We can also be reminded from this passage that we are to trust Jesus to display his power. Jesus walked on the water to show his power to his disciples. When was the last time that we even prayed that Jesus would display his power? Maybe that's a place to start this week. That we just say, God, I've prayed that you would fix this and fix that. I know you can do that, but I haven't yet prayed for a while. Jesus, display your power in whatever way you want to. I don't even think the disciples asked for this. They were hoping that Jesus got in the boat with them at the beginning. That they didn't have to row for three or four miles in the dark, in the wind. But Jesus surprised them and showed up displaying his power. Would we be a people that would pray and say, Jesus, show us, show us your power. I want to see your power at work. You may just do that. And then finally, trust Jesus to be present. Trust Jesus to be present. When Jesus showed up to be present with those disciples, everything changed. One of the gospel writers tells us that the sea calmed, and here John tells us they got immediately to where they were going. When Jesus is present, that changes everything. And even we can say this, Jesus is present with us. This is the promise. Now, when Jesus was here on earth, one of the problems for the disciples was that Jesus, being confined to a human body, could only be in one place at one time. So when Jesus was on the mountain, Jesus wasn't present with them. But Jesus then tells his disciples before ascending into heaven to go and make disciples. And as we do that, what does he promise them? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That Jesus is indeed present with us in the boat that you're trying so hard 
to row against the wind in rough waters, Jesus is present with us now. And he will get us where we need to be. We might not know it, but he knows it, and he's going to get us there. Amen? Amen. And so we need to hear this good news over and over and over again. And I love, I'm so excited to be back in the Gospel of John. We're going to just be walking through it verse by verse. It's going to take us, I think, till 2020 probably. Uh, but we're going to enjoy every minute of it. This is the Word of God, and it's powerful. And from this passage, I thought about doing something totally different as we kind of make an official charge to Pastor Stan as our new associate pastor. Just, but I thought, no, let's just take the Word of God and let, apply where we're at in it right now to Pastor Stan and where he's at. So we didn't even talk about how we were going to do this. You can just sit there for right now, Pastor Stan. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to give a charge to Pastor Stan, and that's going to be followed by Pastor Stan coming up here and sharing with us his commitment to us, and that will be followed by the elders coming to lay hands on Pastor Stan that we might commission him to the work that God has called him to here. Okay, and then Pastor Stan is going to turn around and do that uh, with the volunteers. And so, charge to you, Pastor Stan is going to have. Three points that really flow from this passage that we were just at here. The first is this. Remember that what we have is not enough. You know, as we were going through this process of searching for an associate pastor, it became very clear to our search committee and then to the whole church that God has given much to Pastor Stan Johnson. Amen? That God has given him a godly wife who loves him very well. That God has given Pastor Stan years of ministry experience. I think 25 or so years of pastoral ministry experience. That God has given Pastor Stan a sharp mind. That he's given him a pastor's heart. That he's given him a library full of books and all sorts of other things that, that other, other people in this world don't have. He's been given a healthy body. So God has given you very much, Pastor Stan. You have 10,000 plus reasons for your heart to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. But even with everything that God has given you, even with the fact that he's given us this, this, this church to shepherd together, a healthy and growing church in so many ways, we don't have what it takes, right? We don't have that. And we need to remember that often, that as associate pastor of this church along with me that we could together recognize wow we don't have enough we don't have what it takes and that we could daily confess lord i need you oh i need you every hour i need you so remember that what we have is not enough secondly look out at the need thinking about jesus sitting on the mountaintop there with his disciples and I think interesting that, that the crowd that's numbered there is 5,000 men plus women and children. And here we are in a community of about 5,000 men, women, and children with many more in the surrounding area. And part of the reason that God has called you to this church to serve us is that we would together have our eyes fixed on the large crowd that's out there. That you, like Jesus, would be able to look on the crowd with compassion, recognizing that as many of us sit in here and listen to the worship team sing, all my hope is in Jesus, there's a lot of people that have no hope because they don't know Jesus. 
And so we, we, we implore you to, with us, and, and even ahead of us, be compassionately looking out at the lost crowds without hope in this world, that we might come alongside you and with you look to the many needs of those in our community, their greatest need, of course, being salvation that comes by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But also, as we in char- charge you to look at the need out there, I charge you to, to not neglect looking at the needs right here in our body. Jesus cared for his disciples. He took them on the mountaintop, and he wanted to talk just to them. That God has called you to be associate pastor of Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. That you would look on these people uh, as, as sheep that God has called you to shepherd under the authority of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Right? And that, that we recognize that, and that you would be attentive to the needs of people in our church, but that you would also not neglect in any way the needs of the godly wife that God has given you. That you would be alert always to her needs and, and making sacrifices uh, that, that uh, sacrifices in your work that you might better provide for and care for your wife. Have your eyes fixed on the needs of those around you. And then finally, Give what you have to Jesus and watch him work. Like the boy who offered five loaves and two fishes. That's all he had. But trust that as you give what you have to Jesus, that you will watch him provide. You will watch him provide for the crowds. You will watch him provide for the disciples. And you will have your fill. There will be a basket full of leftover fragments uh, for you. And as Paul tells Timothy, even more than a basketful of leftover fragments. He will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And would you also then trust him to display his power? Would you lead the church in praying regularly for that? And would you expect that God will in fact answer that prayer and display his power? And, and, and one thing that was told me early on in ministry it's kind of weird for me to give a charge. I'm the guy who's like the new pastor, and he's the guy. But, but, but I know you've been in ministry longer than I have. Uh, but I've heard uh, from another pastor that this, this charge to never cease to be amazed like a child. Never cease to be in awe of who God is and how he works. So let's not lose that. Let's ask God to display his power and expect that we will see it and that we together with smiles on our faces would watch God work as we confess, I don't have what it takes. There's a great need out there, but I know that you will display your power and you will provide and I trust you in all things. So I'm glad you're here uh, for many different purposes and uh, would love to hear you just come and share your heart and your commitment to us as a church before we pray for you. Wow, I, I am amazed. Um, we're blessed with a very gifted pastor who's also a very godly pastor. And um, I'm humbled by your challenge. And uh, I'm grateful for how God is at work. I, I said to Pastor Jeremy, um, how much time do I have? And, and he said... Can you plan on five minutes? And I said, for a pastor, that's a hard task. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. And I want to tell the whole church I'm grateful for the opportunity that the Lord has given to Chris and I 
to come to Iowa Falls and to serve in the function in which you've called me. And Pastor, I especially appreciate this charge that you've given me. You, you challenged me, first of all, to remember that what we have is not enough. Amen? I, I've shared this with a, a few people that uh, God put it on my heart again last night. It's been said that in America, if the Holy Spirit became absent from our churches, chose to leave our churches, 95% of what we do would keep on happening and hardly anybody would notice. Where you go all the way back to the, the early church, if the Holy Spirit had left the early church, 95% of what they were doing would have come to a screeching halt, and everyone would have noticed. And that's what I'm believing and hoping for our church, that we understand and recognize and realize that what you and I have is not enough. And I understand if I'm going to faithfully honor Jesus Christ in my role, uh, first of all, it's important that my relationship with him is right, that I am depending on him and his strength rather than my own strength or my own desire or my own ability. Um, the other day I, I happened across a quotation and I, and I had to look it up and it turns out it's from a song lyric. And it, it goes like this. I don't want to talk about Jesus like he's not in the room. And I think sometimes that's what we can do when we're, we're involved in ministry, engaged in ministry. We can be busy doing these different roles and responsibilities, and, and everybody can think, wow, you're doing a wonderful job. We're, we're thankful for what you're doing. And miss out on the joy that comes as we depend on Jesus, as we abide in Jesus. Jesus says, John 15, 5, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, some of you firsthand had experience in, in moving some of these books around that Pastor Jeremy mentioned. And I want to apologize to you. I, I probably should have thinned out my library before I, I came to Isle Falls. But I, I will want to say this as well. As much as I, I love learning, and Jesus isn't interested in any of us just accumulating more and more information. What Jesus wants to do in the life of us, each one of us, is to be transforming us. And that's part of my commitment to you as your associate pastor. A second pastor said, look at the need. And, and I love how you said both at home and in our church family and in our community. Uh, it's, it's been said sometimes that a pastor can work and work and work and, and try to win the world while at the same time he loses his family. And, and by God's grace and his mercy, I, I am thankful that that has not happened in, in Chris and I situation. Uh, my, my head was spinning. I was surprised you said I'm a sharp guy. My head's been spinning these last few weeks as I'm trying to learn all that I need to learn. And, and part of it is sitting in Pastor Jeremy's office and listening to him and going through the outline of what it is we need to cover this day and this week. I mean, there's a lot of information. 
And uh, one of the highlights of those weekly meetings is we open the Word of God and we look at what pastor is going to be preaching a week from the following Sunday. And one of the first weeks we met, we looked at how in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pronounced both blessings and woes. And that was his message, by the way, from last Sunday. Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. I I thought a little bit about that word woe. That's not a word we use very often, is it? I mean, when's the last time you you used that word in a sentence? It's been a long time for me. But one definition of this word woe is a sadness over those who fail to recognize the true misery of their condition. A sadness over those who fail to recognize the true misery of their condition. And that really struck me. How burdened am I for those who the Bible describes as being both without God and without hope? I I think pretty much all of us who are gathered here in this room this morning would agree that people need to personally experience Jesus Christ and the last life-transforming power of this gospel. You and I believe that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. We believe that truth, but how do we see that truth worked out in our lives? Truth be told, even for a pastor, the rhythm of life can sometimes get in the way of of me sharing the good news of the gospel with people who don't yet know our Savior. And that's one of the reasons that I pray, not just for those who don't yet know Christ, but that God would shape my heart so it more closely resembles my Savior's. In fact, that's a prayer I pray for each one of you. And that's part of the reason next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock we're going to gather here as a church family And we're going to form teams and we're going to go into our community and pray on-site with insight at our schools and other areas of importance and influence. And then the last part of the charge, Pastor, you said give what you have to Jesus and, and watch him work. And that's one of the things that Chris and I have been most humbled and blessed to do, uh, even before we went into ministry, but especially in the months and years since then. And, and I'll say uh, a year ago, I, I couldn't have imagined that I would be here in this position, having been entrusted with this responsibility. It just wasn't on my radar. I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't looking for it. But I was praying. Uh, Chris and I have been praying since... The first day we went in the ministry, um, telling God that we're willing to be wherever he has us planted until he makes it unmistakably clear that he has somewhere else he wants us to go. And and I said to you, I had a hard time with the ministry match connection uh, that I as a pastor had to go online and fill this out in, in order for the search committee to more adequately know who I am and what motivates me. I, I, I said, this, that's kind of hard for me. It's kind of like e-harmony for pastors. and <laughs> I wasn't entirely comfortable with it, but I understand the reason in doing it. 
I had always just felt, Lord, if you need me, you know where I am. And he has demonstrated to us that he, yes, knows where we are and asked us if we'd be willing to go where he wants us to go. Chris put a a little saying on her Facebook account. I might not say it exactly right, but you know how we pray for open doors? God opened the door, closed the door, and so on. And the saying that really, really caught my, my heart was that when we pray for an open door, one of our responsibilities is to what, let go of the, the doorknob, the door handle. And, and that's part of how God brought us to Iowa Falls. We left the church and community we had grown to love over the last 13 plus years. And though there were some tear-filled goodbyes, we have no regret in coming. Um, there's a question I've grown fond of asking myself and others in my years as a pastor. And I ask it of you today. Are you willing to ask God to show you how he wants to use you and the gifts that he has given you to further the work of his church. I pray that prayer for myself, my family, and that's a prayer I am committed to praying for you. That God would give you that willingness, that courage to willingly say to him, wherever you need me, Lord, that's where I'll go. I'm excited about the future God has in store for us, and I'm excited for our church family. And Chris and I are glad that we put ourselves in a position where the Lord can continue to use us to further the work of his kingdom as we trust in him. Yes, like you, trust in him to provide for us, to be present with us, and to help us get from where we're at right now as a congregation to where he intends for us to be. And as we do, that we continue to live in light of the fact that apart from Jesus Christ, seriously, we can do nothing of eternal value. And for our community, our county, our classmates, our coworkers, our mission field, eternity literally is in the balance. Jesus has called us to Iowa Falls, and I'm excited to partner with you that together we both know Christ and make him known as we each of us give what we have to Jesus and watch him work in and through us, the Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. Amen. And because that is not something that uh, Pastor Stan intends uh, to do alone, and we are desperately in need of God's help, if the elders would come up and we will... Uh, just lay our hands on Pastor Stan, uh, praying for him as he has made this commitment to us after hearing a charge from us, being clearly called by God to us. Uh, and so just a joy and privilege uh, to welcome him and then to uh, pray for him. And so just turn the microphone on here and begin here and we'll, we'll just uh, let's pray together. And you can join us in prayer uh, from out there as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know in the third chapter of Jeremiah, God states that he picks 
the shepherds after his own heart. And then after that, he gives them the knowledge and the understanding to go out and to preach his word. This is our commission, my commission to you, Stan, uh, this morning too, that uh, as you study God's word, as you expound on it, as you teach it, Lord, or uh, Stan, that uh, you will have a greater understanding of his word. And our ultimate goal is here in this church is to bring the the word of God to the lost, to those that have not heard it, to those that have not opened their hearts to that word. And we pray uh, through your word, Stan, and uh, through your communications and through the, the work of, of the body of this uh, church that this may be made possible. Father, I do pray for Pastor Stan for his ministry here, I pray, Lord, that that you would honor and bless and magnify his ministry as he seeks to honor and bless and magnify your name. But as we are commissioning Pastor Stan here at this church, Lord, I pray too for our brothers and sisters um, at the church in Britt who are in the beginning stages of a pastoral search. Uh, Father, I pray that they would be entirely reliant on you um, as they wait, uh, and that in your time, uh, Lord, you would, you would provide for them. And I pray too, Lord, for our congregation here. Um, I pray, Father, that we would not see this as an opportunity to do less, that we wouldn't fall prey to the, the temptation to say, oh, we, we, have, uh, we have paid pastoral staff to do that. But instead, we would see this as an opportunity to do more. Um, that you would show each one of us uh, what your expectations are for us as members of this body as we seek together with our pastoral staff to make disciples who make disciples. Heavenly Father, we are just thankful that you have given us enough you have given us this day a pastor who desires to follow you to uh, help equip our congregation and so we just pray that you continue to give him enough every day to uh, manage his family to manage the people he comes in contact with to uh, give him enough love to uh, encourage those he comes in contact with. So we just thank you and praise you for the opportunities that you have put before us and will force them. Father, we have <clears throat> talked about needs so much this morning, and I am just so thankful that you know our needs long before we do. And I think of all the work the search committee has done, and thank you for them. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, long before they even begin their work, you knew that Pastor Stan was going to be called to this body of believers. And we are blessed, Father, to have two men serving in that position that trust in you, that believe solely on your word, 
And so I'm grateful for Pastor Sam and for his family, uh, the way he ministers to them and the way that he will minister to us, I think, and the community around us. I think of the, the song that has in it uh, first play. And I know just a little, I've known Pastor Sam that he has put you in first place, Father. And I give you all the praise and all the thanks and all the glory for that. We join with him in uh, not only ministering for you, but that you would minister within us, that we would be so equipped to spread the word around this community and around the world. And we'll give you all the praise and all the thanks that you deserve, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, and we do uh, just give you great thanks and praise uh, for all of the all of the the ways that you so clearly led, uh, un- made it unmistakably clear to both Pastor Stan and to Chris and to us that this is where you would have us to go as a church and where you'd have them to go as a couple. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness in so many ways uh, throughout uh, many years, and God uh, for both this church and for Pastor Stan and Chris, and we are completely dependent on your continued grace and faithfulness as we go forward, recognizing that we don't have enough. And even as we see the need around us, would you so fill Pastor Stan's heart with your great love for him that he would uh, pour himself out, trusting you to provide not only for the needs of others, but also for him, helping him to be attentive to the needs uh, in his own heart, uh, helping him to be attentive to the needs of our community, uh, of our church, and the needs of his wife and and his children and grandchildren as well. And so, God, uh, there's much to be placed on him, but God, I thank you that that everything that might be placed on him pales in comparison to what's been placed in him. Your Holy Spirit dwelling in him, Jesus present with him, and trusting that you will take him and us together uh, exactly where we need to be. uh, For our good, for the good of many others, and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the, Praise the Lord. You guys get to stay up here because I'm going to invite uh, the next part, the final part, as Pastor Jeremy said, our fall ministry leaders to join us up on the platform. That means our Awana teachers and helpers, our life group leaders, our Sunday school teachers, and our youth group leaders. I'd like you all to join us either on the steps or on the platform. Come on forward. Awana teachers and helpers, life group leaders, Sunday school teachers, and youth group leaders. We're going to have a, a short little commissioning for you. And as you do that, I, I do want to say for all the rest in the church family, you do not need a job title. You do not need a position description to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He's told us in his word what our mission is, our calling is. And as a church, we say it is to know Christ and make him known. So each of us, in whatever age and stage of life, whatever uh, place our job is, where we, where we live, where we bank. We're ambassadors for our Savior. And together, faithfully serving Jesus, uh, we're going to continue to see wonderful things happen, things we can't even imagine. All our deacons and deaconesses also. Okay, deacons and deaconesses, join us up on the platform. A lot of men and women up here, aren't there? Yeah, let's give thanks to the Lord for their willingness to serve.
in Matthew 20, starting at verse 25, when his disciples started jostling for positions of prominence, Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, I, I am grateful. Our church is grateful for your willingness to serve in all your different roles and responsibilities. And as important as it is for you to be committed and to be faithful, uh, one of the things your leadership never wants you to do is make an idol out of your ministry. Jesus is and always must be first and foremost for every follower of our Savior. Amen? Our, our church is grateful for each of you and your willingness to use the gifts the Lord has blessed you with to further the work of the kingdom right here in Iowa Falls. So I have a few questions, and each one of the questions I, I ask, you can respond with an I do if it's an affirmative, okay? First of all, do you accept the responsibilities of your position, and do you commit to honoring Jesus Christ as the head of our church by acting in love towards those you are serving and those you serve with? If so, you can answer with an I do. Do you commit to praying for those you minister to as well as yourself, your ministry team, and the rest of our church family? Do you commit to supporting our congregation's leadership as we seek to become a church molded by God's word and motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world? If so, answer with an I do. All right, now church, those who stand before you this morning have agreed to serve as ministry leaders. It's an incredibly important responsibility because they agree that our aim as a church is to both know Christ and to make him known. And if you are willing to commit to encouraging and honoring and praying for these men and women who are standing before you today, could you so signify yourself by standing right where you're at? So those of you who are endorsing, affirming this group of leaders, your church family, and the rest of you, I'd like you to stand, too. We've got a lot of visitors and guests who are here today. And bow with me as we pray uh, for these leaders. Lord God, how grateful we are that you chose us, even in spite of ourselves. Your word said uh, you didn't go looking necessarily for the best and the brightest, but you look past uh, a man or woman's heart. And, and you see who they truly are. And Lord, we thank you for, for calling and affirming. And right now as a church, as we're confirming each of these men and women who are standing on the platform with me. Lord, um, as, as they make a commitment to honoring you and all they do in their role in the ministry and the life of this church, we, the rest of this church family, also make a commitment in honoring them and respecting them and esteeming them and encouraging them and in praying for them. Because as Pastor Jeremy made clear, Lord, um, we don't have what it takes in and of ourselves. We're grateful, Lord, for these individuals' willingness to serve. We look forward to how 
you're going to use them and these ministries to accomplish much, that it will be a blessing both to this church and to our community and especially to those we serve. Not that people think much of us and the sacrifice of time and energy and resources we give, but they, they ultimately give you the praise and honor and glory. We pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, let's give thanks to God for each of these who are willing to serve. And worship team, you can come up on the platform. You can just stay standing up. I felt like, oh, what are we supposed to do now? Just stay standing up. We're going to sing together. Uh, I think a fitting song to close that all I have is Christ. In a day where we've talked a lot about what we lack, uh, we know that in Christ uh, we can do all things. Uh, and so let's uh, sing that song together.